Hi there, this is Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire, and this is the Love to Tell the Story podcast. The word epiphany means revelation, and during the season of epiphany, we in the church celebrate the revelation of Jesus Christ as the light of the world and as a light unto you and unto me. Beginning a new series of messages all about those many epiphanies, this is the message entitled, I Call Your Name. It's based on Isaiah chapter 43, verses 1 through 7, and the story of Jesus' baptism from Mark 1, verses 4 through 11. Well, given the predominantly digital online world in which we live, I don't even know if this kind of thing happens anymore. But I have to tell you, I absolutely love this story, and I hope it's true. Apparently, a few years back, the Assembly of God Church in Bushnell, Florida, received a notice in the mail from Publishers Clearinghouse Giveaways that announced that God of Bushnell, Florida, had in fact been chosen as a finalist for the multi-million dollar top prize in the publisher's clearinghouse sweepstakes. And the best part of this is that letter began like those mailings always do. God, we've been searching for you. What an incredible fortune this would be for you, God. Just imagine the looks that you would get from your neighbors in Bushnell, Florida. So don't just sit there, God, because to win, you gotta mail it in. Now, I never did read if God actually came to claim his prize. But it did say, and I love this, that the pastor of the Bushnell Assembly of God Church had offered to stay at the church that particular day so to accept the check on God's behalf. And if it ever happens here, I'm there, folks. Now, obviously, if a tad sadly, this letter was the product of uh, some errant computer programming. But for me, it does serve as something of a parable. Because while most of us won't uh, employ mass mailing for such a purpose, nonetheless, there are many of us who can attest to having said pretty much the same thing in our lives. We're searching for you, oh God. It's true. It it really is. Ask people, for instance, why they have come to church this morning. And while they might give you any number of answers, my guess is that somewhere in there is the hope that they are going to find in the midst of worship and fellowship an experience of the presence of God. And it's not by accident. I really do think this is the way we're wired. One of the things that we have in common as human beings, this desire to seek out that which is greater than ourselves, something or someone like God. It's what the the wonderful Craig Barnes refers to is our deep yearning to find holiness. This is our search for living water for our parched souls. 
The interesting thing is, however, is that if we look at this biblically, it turns out that we've kind of got this backwards. Because if we understand faith as it is presented to us in Scripture, what we discover is that ultimately it's not our search for God that matters. What really counts is God's search for us. And, and there's a lot of precedent for, there, for this. It is all right there in the Bible, beginning with the book of Genesis. In, in God's coming to Abraham, of all people, sending him on a journey far from home and kindred, so to make of him a great nation. We see it in God's choice of Moses to lead his people Israel to a promised land, flowing with milk and honey. And we hear it in the prophets sharing of God's own plea that these rebellious people should even now return to him with all their hearts. Even Jesus, gathered with his disciples on the night of betrayal and desertion, made this clear to them. He said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Really what this constitutes is a fundamental misunderstanding of things. That even as we say our prayers, even as we make our pilgrimages of faith, all with the underlying intent of looking for and finding God, the truth is that after all of our searching, it has turned out that God was already there. And what's more, God was looking for us all along. In fact, I would suggest to you this morning that what brings many folks to church, whether they know it or not, <coughs> is not so much that they're looking for God, but that somewhere in the deep recesses of heart, mind, and soul, they've already heard very faint pleadings of a voice calling them by name calling them, as the song goes, softly and tenderly to come home. <clears throat> to be called, and moreover, to be called by name, is in fact a powerful and life-changing thing. <clears throat> I'm always reminded here of something that was uh, said uh, by one of my seminary classmates back in the day, a uh, gentleman by the name of Steve Burt, and it was in an article about Bangor Seminary that appeared in Yankee Magazine years ago now. And the writer of this article asked Steve, who was in fact a student at Bangor at the time, they asked him about his call to ministry, and he answered that it wasn't so much that I heard a call out of the blue. It was just that I started paying attention to it. And I stopped saying no. To stop saying no to that call made all the difference. Now, I love that quote because not only was that certainly uh, Steve's story of going into the ministry, but also it's a story about the nature of God. The God who actively seeks us out in the very places where we dwell and then gently but persistently calls us by name in the fervent hope that we might finally and at last pay attention to the call. 
That is what is at the heart of our text from Isaiah this morning, the one that Sarah just shared with us. Because therein the Lord says, Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Friends, I I have to tell you here this morning that this is one word of the Lord in which I take great comfort. And I take comfort in it because in this one divine proclamation, we have an epiphany. We have the revelation of the greatest of all human mysteries, the mystery of who we are and what we are doing here on this planet. We have an identity, beloved, and that identity is that of children of the God who has created us, redeems us, and even now continues to protect us. So no matter what struggles befall us over the course of a lifetime, no matter what kind of turbulent waters we'll have to pass through as we go, we shall not be overwhelmed by it. Because the God who has named us and claimed us as his own will always be with us. You and I, get this, you and I, are to be numbered amongst those of whom the Lord says, you are precious in my sight and honored, and I love you. You and I are persons whom God himself has said, I created for my glory. For my glory. For my glory. Let that sink in for a moment. Because what this says is that everyone who is called by God's name, and that truly includes every one of us here, you and me and you and you and me, we are each and every one created by God's intent. We are designed specifically for God's glory. Now, having said that, I don't know about you, but I always end up feeling like even to say that aloud comes off sounding a bit lofty, if not downright arrogant. I mean, who am I? Who are any of us to make that kind of claim that we are created for God's glory? It actually sounds perilously close to what we hear in the gospel text for this morning from Mark. When Jesus is baptized amidst the heavens being torn apart and descending like a dove, the voice of God coming from heaven saying, you are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. To speak of being created for glory is is fine and utterly appropriate for somebody like Jesus. But it certainly doesn't apply to you or to me. Or does it? Actually, when we are considering the meaning of of our baptism, yours and mine, isn't it, in fact, the truth that we are claimed and named to the glory of God through Jesus Christ, our Lord? 
See, that's what baptism is all about, really. <clears throat> Whenever we baptize a child in the sanctuary, we're not only celebrating the gift of a child who has come into the world and into the life of a family, <clears throat> we're also dedicating that child's life to the glory of God. We're pledging ourselves as, as parents, as families, and as the, the church to, to raise that child in a Christian manner so that the child's life, however it proceeds to unfold, might be a reflection of that glory. Likewise, for us to be baptized means we are dedicating ourselves to living in joyous and faithful response to the God who loved us first. What it means is, is that what we do in this life, whatever we do in this life, is going to be and should be for God's glory. Or if I might put this another way, by our baptism, yours and mine, you and I actually become ministers. That's right, I said it, ministers. It is a profound truth of our Christian faith that we are all ministers, lay and clergy, young and old, men, women, children alike. Now, some of our ministries take place in church sanctuaries, that is true, but they also happen around dinner tables, in boardrooms and classrooms, on the football field, and and even in the checkout lane of your local market basket. Ministry, you see, is a gift of God that comes by the Holy Spirit. It's a gift given to all who would accept God's claim on their lives. And just as God is relentless in seeking us out as his own, God is equally determined for us to have a ministry. You know, I get asked a whole lot why I chose to become a pastor. What is it that would lead someone to do this for a living? Well, and, and I usually respond, and a lot of you have heard me tell this story. For me, there was really only one choice. Unlike that of my seminary classmate Steve and many others I could tell you about, my experience was, <clears throat> was that from the time I was 15 years old, I knew in my heart of hearts that this is where God meant me to be. And, and moreover, I have come to understand over the years that just about everything else in my life has unfolded in tandem with that call. Everything that I have been privileged to do, every experience that I've had, the people that I love and the people that I have come to know over the years, it, they've all fit in to that calling in ways uh, that they'll probably never know. And I hope you realize, I think I need to say this periodically uh, to you folks, I hope that you know that I truly love what I do. Quite honestly, I can't imagine doing anything else with my life than what I am doing right now. I'm not sure I'm qualified to do anything else. But I'll tell you what, this was my one choice. But that having been said, I also have to tell you that really, in the larger and spiritual sense, it was never my idea to become a minister. 
Now, having said that, certainly I concur. And that I, but I was never forced into this line of work. But over the years, I have come to realize that for reasons I will never be able to fathom, it was ever and always God's idea that despite my weaknesses, and there are many, and my quirks, which are considerable, just ask my wife, it was always God's idea that my life should be wrapped up in this vocation of pastoral ministry, even if that has created some challenges and a few struggles along the way. You see, mostly, thanks be to God, it has been a grand, glorious, and continuing adventure, as well as a great and ongoing reminder to me that when we pay attention to what God's idea happens to be for us in ministry, incredible things can and do happen. And I tell you all this this morning because I know this same truth applies to you and to your ministries as well. I'm going to say it again because it bears repeating. You are all ministers. This is your epiphany, beloved. You were created for God's glory. And even now, God is calling you by name with an idea, with an inspiration, maybe right now just the inkling of a random thought that just might apply to your ministry. Now, maybe as you're sitting here this morning, that awareness has already hit you. Perhaps the revelation of it has been tugging at your heart and, and you've started to wonder to yourself, what am I going to do about this? And it might be that you're still figuring it all out. Maybe you are one of those people who came here today because you heard something, you just don't even know yet what it is. Or it could be that you're realizing that the Lord really is calling you by name. And that maybe you just ought to pay attention a little bit better than you have been and, and listening a little more closely than you were before. Either way, it is good that we're here today. After all, this sanctuary is a sacred place where we are refreshed and nourished by the experience of God's presence in Jesus Christ. This is a time in which we are strengthened and renewed by God's own Holy Spirit for the ministry that he intends for each and every one of us. It may well be that our coming here today, worshiping the Lord together in spirit and truth, is in fact the next step in embracing the ministries that are ours by God's graceful design. <clears throat> Maybe today represents something new and fresh and exciting. Something bold for the sake of his kingdom. So let's not be fearful about that. Let's be bold enough to take the journey. For this same God who would not let the rivers overwhelm us, this same God who would not allow flames to consume us, is most certainly going to see us through this next adventure of faith. This same God 
who loves us, who tells us that we are precious in his sight, is the God who is calling us as ministers in the name of Jesus Christ, giving glory to the one who calls us by name. Let's think about that as we come to the table this morning. And as we do, may our thanks be to God. Amen and amen. And that's the message entitled, I Call Your Name, part of our current sermon series all about epiphanies. It was recorded during our January the 14th service of worship at East Congregational Church, where we would love to have you join us in person for worship. We come together every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock at the church on 51 Mountain Road, which is just off exit 16 of I-93 in beautiful and snowy Concord, New Hampshire. It's a great way to start off this new year, and I would love the opportunity to welcome you in person. For now, that's it for this episode of the Love to Tell the Story podcast. I do thank you for listening today. And until next time, may God bless you with a great day every day. We'll talk to you soon.